Previously on Transformers University, we started 1985 talking about the beginnings of the Marvel UK Transformers run, and today we are going to wrap up year one of Marvel UK Transformers as we delve into the Christmas issue and the 1985 annual here on Transformers University. Hello, my friend, and welcome to Transformers University. I am your host, Anthony Brucalli. This is episode 29. I thank you for joining me, and uh, if you were expecting an episode last week, I do apologize, but uh, there were some things that were out of my control and uh, led to this episode that I'm recording now not actually happening. That said, um, we've got some good stuff for you today. We are talking about the end of 1985 in the Marvel UK run. Now that is going to cover issue 41, which was the Christmas special, and the annual from 1985. Now I know I mentioned uh, issue 42, I think, in the end of the previous episode, but uh, 42 was published in 85, but the story arc carries into the next year, and I figured let's hold off on that for one more go-around with Marvel UK so that... uh, we can keep the whole story in one episode. So, without further ado, let's get into this one. So, issue 41 of Marvel UK, entitled Christmas Breaker, uh, is the only uh, exclusive UK appearance, other than one cameo later on, of Circuit Breaker, who we met last time in the regular uh, US Marvel episode of this show uh the creative team on this issue uh we have a a new writer for this one this is uh james hill uh he is a marvel uk writer worked on some of the uk versions of thundercats and he-man and he is the only newcomer in this issue uh interior art by will simpson cover art by mike collins letters by richard starkings colors by gina hart edited by ian rimmer So this issue starts off on Christmas Eve, 1985. Uh, We start with Circuit Breaker reading a headline from the Portland Chronicle about the factory workers at the Black Rock aerospace plant that Shockwave had taken over previously. Uh, This leads to a flashback, which is shown from Circuit Breaker's perspective of the Decepticons raiding the plant and... uh, uh, there's some interesting art here. The It's mainly Soundwave and Laserbeak, but Soundwave has uh, this really scary um, spiked jawline. Uh, that's probably the best way I could put it. Plus, he's kind of got insect horns, and he's got like a spear coming out of his shoulder cannon, and he's got drills for fingertips. Now, of course, this flashback is all going on inside of Circuit Breaker's head. It's what she saw in her mind reading the story of the Decepticons raiding the Black Rock aerospace plant. Now, back at the art, Buster is building a Christmas tree out of metal. And while he's doing this, um, Optimus Prime is wearing a Santa suit. Well, he's wearing the, the top half of a Santa suit, and it's uh, it's, it's got to be enormous to cover the front of a semi-truck, but uh, his his smokestacks are sticking out of, his, out of the 
suit as well as part of his back and um he is wearing a hood so it's like optimus in a red santa hoodie uh with the belt on it's it's pretty great as far as the artwork goes now he's observing the decorating of this metal christmas tree and so are some of the other autobots but here's the weird thing so some of the other autobots you see in this scene brawn huffer blue streak prowl um in particular Prowl and Huffer will be shown later in the Marvel run um, in it, and from what had happened previously in the Marvel US run uh, to be severely damaged and offline. Um, so it only kind of this issue loosely fits in with continuity um, but there is that one big question mark there and during these conversations Jazz is trying to understand uh, humans and the need for the Christmas tree and then recounts his encounter a few issues back with Circuit Breaker. Just at that moment, Buster realizes that he has to deliver presents to his dad uh, to a town outside of Portland, St. Petersburg, uh, which is where we saw Circuit Breaker just a few minutes earlier. Now, flash forward to St. Petersburg. Circuit Breaker rescues a kid who fell into the ice, and then the kids, seeing Circuit Breaker's outfit, which is just basically a metal circuitry suit that doesn't cover much, and it being the dead of winter in the Pacific Northwest, uh, kids uh, call her a freak and make fun of her uh, because of her electro-bondage costume. Um, from that, she has a full-on freak out and flies away. As she's flying away, she sees... Jazz, who is speeding down the road to try to get Buster where he needs to be, but uh, Jazz is not taking into account the weather conditions. Uh, he drives too fast, he's about to crash, he transforms and ejects Buster from his vehicle. Um, and actually when he's doing that, because he was about to crash, he yells, by the primal program, uh, which has become a phrase that is going to be reused over and over in uh, the Marvel Comics run, Marvel UK run, in this sense, so in, in the previous sense when it was used, it was used as um, kind of a phrase of surprised discovery, like, oh my goodness. This seems to be more of a pejorative alternative to swearing. Now, Circuit Breaker, of course, attacks Jazz again, uh, as from their previous encounter. Buster tells her to stop, and she pauses as bells ring out. We realize that it is midnight, and Christmas Eve has turned to Christmas Day. And because it is Christmas Day, Circuit Breaker decides to not attack Jazz anymore. So... Circuit Breaker, defeated by the power of Christmas. Jazz still doesn't quite understand Christmas, but realizes it must be special and thanks Buster. And thus, ends the first of many Transformers Christmas specials from Marvel UK. And that takes us to the 1985 Marvel UK annual. Now this book is pretty big, uh, 61 pages counting the cover and uh, features two new comic stories, two uh, text stories with illustrations, a bunch of games and coloring pages from the 
Marvel books, coloring books we've uh, covered in previous episodes, along with uh, a couple of things they didn't get in the UK and assorted uh, character art and introductions to the characters. Now, I think uh, it's worth noting that the two things before the stories that uh, other that, that aren't coloring book pages are the Decepticons being introduced or introducing themselves really and explaining who they are and what they do uh, and it's shown with text boxes next to their packaging art so it's actually a great look at some of the packaging art because it's it's the bodies in full of most of the main Decepticons or a big chunk of them at least and then after that we get the introduction page from the US Marvel number one which wasn't released in the Marvel UK number one, where the Autobots all introduce themselves uh, to each other on the arc. And it's okay, it's two pages of exposition and learning about names, but it is all there. And there's actually going to be a lot of references to uh, Marvel US number one in this annual. And we'll get more into that uh, in a little bit as we get into our comic stories. Let's get into the stories in here, because these stories, uh, for the most part, have a hard time fitting in the established Marvel UK continuity and have a hard time fitting in the US continuity, too, and we'll, we'll explain that as we go. So the first comic is called Plague of Insecticons. That is not to be confused with the Season 2 episode we covered a few episodes back called A Plague of Insecticons. Now, this doesn't really fit any continuity because a lot of the characters who show up in here, the Insecticons and Warpath, um, haven't been introduced yet in the comic. So, the creative team on this issue, Simon Furman with the script, uh, art by Mike Collins and Jeff Anderson. Dude, the Transformers sucked. Letters by Richard Starkings, colors by Gina Hart, and editing by Sheila Krana. Now, as I mentioned before, this story doesn't really fit well in any continuity uh, because of the characters introduced. Uh, the Insecticons and Warpath will both be introduced, well, all will be introduced later in the Marvel US run, and then subsequently those issues will be printed in the Marvel UK run. But for the story itself, we start with Optimus Prowl and Warpath on their way to the White House to meet President Reagan. Interesting note here is that when Prime and President Reagan are talking, Prime calls him a lorry, which is the British term for a truck or tractor trailer, um, which would be strange coming out of the U.S. president's mouth. Uh, during the summit, the Insecticons interrupt, yelling, kill the humans, and uh, are basically trying to pretend to be Autobots and disrupt the summit. Noting here, the Insecticons are slightly off-color, well, uh, very off-color to some extent, from their uh, actual models. There's no yellow on any of these uh, drawings. There's a lot of... Uh, rust-colored red, um, some regular like crimson-like red, and purple and 
black. So there's the purple and black is right. The red is generally replaced by yellow, and uh, the rust color is also generally replaced by black. Now, this was supposed to be a secret summit between the White House and the Autobots, and we find out that the Decepticons found out by intercepting a phone call from uh, U.S. intelligence. Now, uh, Megatron decided then to awake, and I'm saying that in quotes, the Insecticons. Um, the Autobots fight off the Insecticons, but the humans begin now distrust the Autobots and fire on everyone. The Insecticons take to the city. The Autobots split up. Warpath and Prowl head to the city to fight the Insecticons while Prime tries to find the source. As the Autobots are begin to lose, Prime sends Roller as backup for Prowl and Warpath. Prime continues his search and finds Ravage. And Ravage calls back the Insecticons for backup. The Autobots win, but they never return to the White House, leaving an air of distrust between the U.S. government and the Autobots. Uh, it's an interesting little one-off quick story. Uh, as I mentioned before, it doesn't really fit into any continuity, and, and the plot itself is pretty thin of uh, the Decepticon, well, the Insecticons trying to make the Autobots look bad. Uh, we see it done a handful of times early on in G1, uh, and at this point, I feel like we've seen it more than enough times to think that maybe it's gotten a little old. But fear not. This is only one of two comic stories, and the second comic story in this book is one I find a lot of fun because I like stories that tell about the history of Cybertron before the Autobots came to Earth. And I'm just thinking about this podcast, and I don't think we've done a story like that yet. And they do pop up from time to time in Transformers. So this is really the first one. Uh, it's called And There Shall Come a Leader. And it's written by Simon Furman with art by John Dillard. Stokes. I mean, John Stokes. Letters by Richard Starkings. Colors by Gina Hart. And edits by Sheila Crana. Now, roughly, this story is about a Decepticon attack on Iacon and the story of Optimus Prime getting command of the Autobots from the Autobot High Council. So this is convinced to High Counselor Trakon by Zaron. Now, we get to meet a whole bunch of new characters in this story, uh, including members of the High Council, such as Trakon and Zaron. And Zaron's an important character. We will see him. Uh, later on in the comics uh, a few times. We will also see other Autobots uh, as Optimus commands these battles, including Pulsar and Tempest, and uh, another member of the Council, Tomandi. Uh, we'll also meet an Autobot named Fusion. Now here, uh, before I get further into the story, I think it's important to note that uh, according to the fine folks at TF Wiki and just comparing what they said to what I see, um... A lot of the art in this book is very much based off the art from the first issue of Transformers, Transformers number one. Um, there's a lot of poses, a lot of panels, and a lot of shapes for Autobots that are very familiar to things that are already out there. For example, Pulsar is clearly based off of Big Red, only he's not colored red, but his pose is in the first page, he's firing a gun, it's the same pose as, as 
Big Red in the first issue of Marvel number one uh, on the splash page. Tempest appears to be a uh, blue and white version of sort of Wheeljack, sort of Mirage. Um, Emirate Zarin is clearly based off of Megatron's uh, box artwork, uh, has a very much toy Megatron look to him, uh, only colored in gold. Tomandi is based off of the first issue robot that Optimus uh, petitions to send the Autobots into space to destroy the asteroid field. And Fusion, who we only see in vehicle mode, is Optimus Prime's Cybertronian vehicle mode, only in blue. Additionally, Gears appears in this story later on, and he is clearly drawn as the Gears from the two-page spread that I just mentioned a few minutes ago, uh, which is way off-model and has a very, very different look and face to the character altogether. Now, with the attack on Iacon, we get to see Blue Streak in his pre-Earth vehicle mode. Uh, the, he and Fusion are delivering bombs to Optimus Prime. Uh, as they're traveling the highway, there's a section of the road blown out. Uh, Blue Streak and Fusion are also being chased by Decepticon jets. Blue Streak makes the leap and jumps over the blown out highway. Fusion, while jumping over the highway, is blown up and killed by the Decepticons. I think it's a good time to talk about another term that we're going to see, especially in Simon Furman's writing for Transformers, and these are characters that hide and die. Uh, you say hi, you see them for a minute, then they die. Uh, so that is a hide and die appearance, and I believe Fusion might be the first one to get that. Blue Streak delivers the bombs to Optimus, and Optimus is given command of the Autobot forces. The Autobots head out to meet Megatron on the battlefield. Optimus introduces himself to Megatron, and the fighting begins. And in this fight, Megatron literally blows a dude's head off, um, <laughs> which is... A level of violence I don't think I'm used to yet in uh, these early Marvel and Marvel UK comics. Now, while the fighting is going on, it's going on on a bridge. So people are falling off this bridge. At the base of the bridge is the off-model Gears. And Gears is setting up the bombs to blow up the bridge. Optimus and Megatron fight. And as they're fighting, Gears blows up the bridge. Everything falls. Windcharger, who's also at the base of the bridge, lowers Optimus and the Autobots down to safety. And the Autobots win the day, but Megatron survives the fall. And at least as far as we see right now, that is the beginning of the conflicts between Optimus and Megatron. And that takes us to uh, the first of two text stories in this annual. The first, called Missing in Action, written by James Hill, art by John Dillard. Stokes. I mean John Stokes. And this first story, Missing in Action, uh, features a bunch of Autobots, again, who have not shown up in the UK continuity. In fact, they have not shown up in the Marvel continuity either, and will uh, by the next 
Marvel episode, which will be coming up uh, next episode of this show. Now, this story is centered around tracks, and it's funny because this story um, kind of parallels a cartoon episode we haven't talked about yet uh, called Making Tracks, and uh, the outcome is completely different, but the setup is relatively the same. So, <laughs> um, so Tracks is in a fight with Rumble, the red one, and Rumble um, wins big. Uh, and leaves Tracks for dead. Tracks decides to uh, transform into his vehicle mode and hide in an alley. Uh, and he is found by JD, who is looking for a vehicle so he can be a getaway driver with his friend Mark Brooks. He finds Tracks and picks up his friend Mark outside of Lou's bar. Now, Lou is watching from a window. Uh, with an idea of what the boys are up to. And Lou would then go on to open uh, Lou's Tavern, home of the first Fight Club. You do not talk about... Who are you? Oh, my. Yeah. There's a sign on the front that says Lou's Tavern. I'm f***ing Lou. All right. just wanted an excuse to put a clip from Fight Club in this episode. Uh, so, JD and Lou, they go on a robbery spree that starts in Portland and ends up in New York. The Autobots uh, have been looking for tracks, wondering where he has been. And uh, it is via Cosmos, another character who is yet to be introduced in the comics, uh, that they find out he is in New York. We head all the way east and we find a boy in New York named Danny Phillips. And Danny is uh, the son of a single mother. His father was a test pilot for NASA who uh, passed away. And uh, Danny has the same thrill-seeking um, mind of his dad. Um, he is infatuated with aliens and these alien robots he hears rumors of. And he stumbles on tracks outside of the bank where he sees the Autobot symbol on his hood. He walks into the bank and realizes he's walked in on the robbery. More in 1985 Autobots, Inferno, Grapple, Hoist, they arrive in New York and they see um, tracks parked on the street. Now, JD and Mark, they're in that bank not only with a gun, but also with a bomb. JD sees the Autobots, who are now in robot mode other than tracks and um, accidentally sets off the bomb. This blows up the bank. The Autobots begin to get to the rescue, and uh, Inferno saves Danny, as a neat little piece of art of that in the book, as well as art of Rumble, the red one, beating up tracks. And so, yes, the Autobots put out the fire, the robbers are arrested, and Trax is brought back to the Pacific Northwest for repairs. Um... After he's repaired, he believes all humans are bad until Optimus tells him that most aren't and that these robbers were the exception. And it's a lesson that Trax never forgets, and that's how the story ends. Finally, this takes us to the final tech story in 1985. Uh, again, written by James Hill. Art by John Dillard. Stokes. I mean Stokes. And this one is called Hunted. In this story, Ravage attacks a human in South America. There's actually some uh, neat art of that. 
and Prowl and Bumblebee are bored at the Ark. There's a news report of the attack of the missing scientist, uh, the person Ravage had attacked, and Prowl sees uh, a piece of Ravage in the shot. They decide to drive to South America with two more 1985 Autobots that have yet to appear in any comic, Topspin and Twin Twist. They track Ravage through the jungle, and in this jungle, Bumblebee is attacked by a boa constrictor, uh, who is then shot off of him by Topspin. And it's interesting to note here that there's a um, there's a typographical error in the book during this scene, and Bumblebee is spelled as Bumbly, which is a great misspelling and really should be used in some sort of official manner. In the jungle, they find the Decepticons are building a replica of Megatron's fortress on Cybertron, and they are also mining for crystals. Now, the crystals plus some artificial intelligence equals new Decepticons. Whether or not they're alive, um, I would guess no, because we've established the creation matrix in the Marvel UK continuity. But then again, we also have not established uh, most of the characters we've seen in these tech stories. Uh, Bumblebee realizes that there's no time to wait for a plan and charges in. The other bots join him and then are attacked by Dirge, Thrust, and Starscream. Uh, interesting note here is that when Dirge is attacking them, he uses his engines, which are meant to instill fear into the Autobots. And this is probably one of the few times, if not the only time, that his special ability is actually noted uh, in something other than his tech spec. Eventually, the Autobots shoot down Dirge and Thrust, as well as Starscream. When Starscream is shot down, he crashes into the mine, destroying it. Megatron, who's inside the base, flees with the rest of the Decepticons, but has set a bomb to go off inside of the base. The Autobots then must choose to either chase Megatron or save the humans that have been kidnapped and placed inside of the fortress. The Autobots decide to save the humans. The base blows up after that, and the day is over, but not without Bumblebee feeling bad that he behaved rashly and rushed into battle. But there would be more times to fight the Decepticons, and there will be more episodes of Transformers University in the future. Because that's going to wrap up this one right here. As always, you can catch me on Twitter at TFU underscore info, Facebook.com slash TFU info, Instagram.com slash TFU info. I've been doing uh, daily desk bots again. Those go up uh, daily, Monday through Thursday. If you like the show, please give us a rating and a review on whatever platform you listen to it, whether it be iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and coming soon, Spotify. Also, if you like the show, please come on by our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash tfuinfo. Like and subscribe to this podcast and many other incredible videos. We've got the entire run of this show up on YouTube as well as toy reviews, news reports from New York Toy Fair. Uh, I will be covering New York Comic Con in about seven weeks. So that will be a big deal as well, and we'll be broadcasting live from there. Plus, I do occasional live videos from TFU Studios. In fact, I'm probably going to do one shortly after I finish recording this episode. And lastly, if you really want to support the show directly, 
come on by to our Patreon, patreon.com slash T-F-U-I-N-F-O, patreon.com slash T-F-U-I-N-F-O. You can enroll in Transformers University as a Patreon student for as little as a dollar a month and as much as $10 a month, depending on how much you would like to give. And for those who are part of our Patreon, I thank you sincerely for your support. You guys make this happen, and uh, I don't think we would be this far along. 29 episodes going on 30 uh, if it weren't for you. Finally, one more plug. I promise we'll wrap up the plugs in just a sec. And that is, if you're not into doing crowdfunding and going on Patreon, then please just use our Amazon links, tfu.info slash Amazon. It'll take you to Amazon.com, and anything you buy, Amazon kicks back uh, a couple of cents to us. And it doesn't cost you any more. And if you were just going to order anyway, why not help out this show? And as always, we're still making improvements to the toy archive at tfu.info. So swing on by. I just put up uh, 1996 and 1997. And I'm working on 98 uh, intermittently between doing shows. Next time. On Transformers University episode 30, we are going back and finishing out 1985 in the Marvel US Comics run. We'll be talking issues 13 through 15. We'll have some special guests lined up. And lots of fun in store for you. On Transformers University. See ya.